this is an interesting passage that we have. Um, you know, Jesus probably got a lot of offers, as he probably does even today from people. Yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. Uh, but basically, Jesus is saying here, <laughs> but before you follow me, think of what you are doing. Count the cost. Kind of like those other passages before they go into battle, they determine how many men the other side has, and he will sue for peace if he's outnumbered. Here we, we see that. Count the cost. Um, then we go on and hear Jesus say, nowhere to lie my head means that Jesus is always traveling, um, really living in poverty, no ownership. Um, so basically, he doesn't, what is Jesus saying? I think this is interesting, and it applies a lot to my, my own experience. Um, but he didn't want people writing emotion, um, but knew what they were doing. He wants, he doesn't want romantics. This is one of the biggest things in religious life. Young men and women, the women come to the convent, the men to the monastery, and yes, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. And there's this glorified day that, oh, I'm just going to get to sit in the chapel all day and pray. And then they get here and realize that's not what religious life is. Even the monks. I just spent a wonderful time filming the Carmelite monks in Wyoming for our EWTN show. And Father Daniel Mary there said the same thing. People think they get to be a monk. That means they get to sit in the chapel all day and be with our Lord. He says, boy, are they awakened when they get here and we say, <laughs> start cutting those stones and, 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 and doing all this work. He says, That's part of it. Well, anyway, he wants to do this. I mean, it's, it's kind of like in wrestling. Um, I was a wrestler and wrestling was a dedication. You had to be prepared to put in hours and hours. And I didn't even have a problem with that films and practice. But the toughest is when you couldn't eat. That was the hardest part, not having a Thanksgiving dinner for 15 years. And so that was, that was the dedication that was required. And I find it amazing that so many people are willing to do this in the world today for athletics. So many want to be the champion that they'll give up everything, but to be a disciple of Christ. Nah, that's too hard. That's too hard. Um, we have to go to mass every Sunday for an hour. Oh, that, that, that's too hard. Really? So, you know, it's not that our Lord's trying to discourage enthusiasm here, but he wants to make sure that we know the truth. You know, it's the opposite of the televangelists. Be careful of those televangelists. There's only one way to eternal life, and it's through the cross. This gospel of prosperity, that you love Jesus, you'll get the new car, the new home, the new boat. You'll get that promotion at work because you're the best. No, that's not the way of the gospel. It's not about prosperity in a material sense. Be careful of that. Jesus tells us the Christian way is not easy. Um, he wants quality, not quantity. And this is important. Um, you know, if, uh, it, it, let's talk a little bit about this passage. If a man's father died, 
he probably wouldn't have been with Jesus at this time. He would have been probably too busy. So what he means by I must first bury my father is probably an idiom, the church fathers tell us. This is interesting. To re, to, as a request to wait until his father died. In other words, Jesus, I'll come follow you after my father dies. So the one may fulfill this obligation as a son before leaving home. That's probably what's going on here. Now, what about the dead? Because he says here, let the dead bury the dead. The dead are those <clears throat> who did not follow Jesus, the spiritually dead. Basically, Jesus was saying, they're the ones that can carry out the responsibilities of home. They're not following me, so they have plenty of time to take care of the details. I want you to follow me. It's probably what's happening. So let the dead, those are the ones not following me, spiritually dead, let them carry out these responsibilities like a funeral because they're not busy with the works of God. So this disciple was not yet ready to count the cost. Now, Jesus appealed, I guess you could say, to this man's heart to choose God first and then detach. And we have to ask ourselves, what would we say? You know, sometimes we're way attached to so many other things other than God. The most common is even our own children. Child worship, very big problem. Well, the child doesn't want to go to mass today, so our family didn't go. No, you worship God. We love the child. We don't worship the child. We love our spouse. We don't worship our spouse. Father, I can't go to Mass. I can't pray. My, my husband would be upset. No, we worship God. We have to make those stands. So following Jesus now is more important than even family relationships. This is the hard part. Jesus says, unless you hate your mother and sister, or brother and father, you can't be my disciple. People get confused. Oh my gosh, that's too much. I can't do that. Jesus doesn't mean hate as in despise or detest. He means it in love less. So anybody or anything, we have to love less than God. So was Jesus being harsh? Was he being rude? Well, it seems like it, but not really. We have to make a decision on what path we'll follow. Here's the thing. When Jesus tells a person to do something, he expects them to do it without delay. Now, the other example he uses is the plow. What does he say about the plow? He says here um, that, he, that he, well, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit to the kingdom of God. That's hard. That's hard. So what's going on here? All right. Jesus is talking about the plowman had to look straight ahead. And this is what the church fathers tell us in order to keep the plow from going off course. You ever drive? If you don't keep your eyes on the road, as soon as you take your eyes off the road, the car swerves. So you have to keep your eye on the road. Now, likewise, if we're looking behind us, our car is going to go off the road. So if we look behind, if we look back and what we've left behind to follow God, our plow is going to go all over the place, be it some distraction, attachment, or sinful habit that we've left behind. If we keep looking back, it's going to lead us away from doing God's will. Our path will become crooked. 
And that's not what God wants. So Jesus shows us that work for the kingdom is important. And when you start, don't stop. Don't look behind. The man, it says, the church fathers tell us, who start to plow must go forward. They must finish. These men want to follow Jesus, but just not yet. Remember St. Augustine, Lord, Lord, make me chase, just not yet. And so they knew that they should do it, but they felt that there was a good reason that they couldn't do it now. How many of us have said that? Lord, I'm going to start prayers tomorrow. Lord, I'm going to start going back to Mass tomorrow. And we usually sometimes don't. So here's the point. The last thing on the plow, when a plower or plowman was doing something else, this is the important, he gets distracted. Like we said, the thing could turn or whatever. But the plowman also do something of great importance. They hold on. They hold on. So... A plowman who lets go isn't going to work, right? Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. He wasn't going to be distracted. He was like a plowman. He had a focus straight ahead. Many of us want to follow Jesus, but not looking at him straight ahead. We get distracted. And I think it's funny because this, this passage is applicable for a great lesson that I learned because Jesus says, before you come follow me, count the cost. And when I felt strongly that the Lord was calling, I counted the cost, but I didn't discern properly. And there's one little advice I could offer to all of you if you're discerning marriage or you're discerning making a career change or you're discerning a, a vocational call, even if it's not a priest or a brother, but maybe a third order somewhere. Here's the one advice I can give you. Don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. When I was um, in North Carolina, I had a, a, an amazing girlfriend and, and we were planning on getting married. <clears throat> and then this call started coming. And I, I was really struggling. And I felt well, okay, Lord, you're putting in my heart maybe to be a priest, but you'll understand I can't break up with Gina because in case I do and you're not calling me the priesthood, then I lose her and you're not calling me to be a priest and I lose that. I have nothing. So I did the absolute opposite of what you are supposed to do in discernment. I didn't focus on God. I focused on her. So I continued... We continued to date all the way up as I was trying to discern. I did not count the cost. I was not willing. I kept my eyes not forward, but I kept looking back. Lord, you understand. You understand that I have to keep dating Gina because if I don't, she'll be gone. And then if you're not calling me to the priesthood, I have nothing. I didn't trust. So what did I do? Horrible mistake. I continued our relationship right up until I was sure God was calling me and then informed her I was leaving for the monastery. Suddenly, abruptly, very poorly done. And I will never forget the look on her face. 
And the problem was I left. And I was never at peace. Why? Because I didn't do what God said to do here. I didn't put my hands to the plow. I kept looking back. So what do I do? I come to the Marians. I go through postulate year. I go through novitiate year. I go through my first year of vows. I'm unhappy. I'm not sure why. One way, one day I would wake up, I was convinced I was to be a priest. The next day I would wake up, I was convinced I was to be with Gina, even though we weren't talking. And all of a sudden, one day out of the blue, a friend mentions she was asking about me. And I get an email. And that opened up the whole floodgates. I told my superior everything that was going on. And I was tormented. One minute, I'm to stay. One minute, I'm to go. God, why are you allowing this to happen? So finally, I went to the Basilica in Washington, D.C. I tried everything. I talked to spiritual directors. I prayed. I did novenas. I fasted. I did everything in my heart. One day, priest. Next day, no, go back to, to my girlfriend, priest. No, go back to be married, priest. No, be married. It was torment. So finally, I had no other recourse. I took a, I never recommend doing this, but I went to Washington, the Basilica in D.C., and I asked for permission to spend the whole day in prayer. I've never done that before or since 24 hours, literally almost basically all in prayer. And I took a coin. I took a quarter and I said, Lord, I'm so desperate. I don't know any other way to know your will. So I took that quarter and I flipped it. And I held it on my hand for an hour. And I prayed, God, please speak to me through this quarter. Heads, I go back to North Carolina. Tails, I become a priest. And I sat there, and I sat there agonizing. I was afraid to look at it. And when I look at it, guess what it said? Not a priest. It said, go back to North Carolina. And I did. And I left the Marians for a year. God is so merciful. He is so incredible that he knew I hadn't looked forward. I hadn't put my hands to the plow, but he still wasn't going to let me go. He was going to give me a choice. God was not telling me, I'm calling you to the priesthood and you will upset me if you get married. And he wasn't telling me if you get married, you will upset me that you didn't become a priest. He was giving me the choice and you have the choice too. You have the choice to pick where God is putting you great goods in front of you. And he was giving me the choice. So I went home. We got back together, believe it or not. It was the most amazing year of my life in terms of a relationship with her. It was beautiful. It was better than before I left. And I never talked to the priesthood about her, with her, never. And all of a sudden, nine months in, I'm in the chapel because I never gave up the mass or my prayers. And I'm in the chapel. And all of a sudden, I hear God clearly. It is time to go back to the Marians to be a priest. And I said, no way, Lord, I can't do that again to her. I won't do that again to her. You understand. I was so convinced in my heart that I maybe was just mishearing it because he would never ask me to hurt somebody again. Basically, he was telling me what this man in the gospel was. Put your hand to the plow, put me first, but the choice is yours. He didn't yell at this man if he went. Remember the other disciple had many things? He left. 
So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do this. And all of a sudden, I'm at work, went back to my old business. And one day the phone rings. It's her. She's crying. And she says, we have to talk. And so I figured on the way over, I raced home. I, we did not live together. She lived separately. And as I'm racing over to her house, I am convinced that she's crying because she knows in my heart that she can sense I'm thinking about going back to the priesthood. So I was convinced I was going to tell her then that I'm not going to leave you. I promise, don't you worry. I'm not going to do this to you again. I want you to be at peace. But in my heart, somehow, somehow I knew that that wasn't true. I didn't know how. I didn't know why. I just, there was something not right. But I was going to tell her, don't worry. I'm not going not to leave you. And I walked in her house as she came out. And she's crying, but she had a smile on her face. And she said to me, I'll never forget this. She came across the floor and I said, Gina, wait, I need to tell you something. I wanted to tell her first. So she didn't think I was just responding to her fears. And I said, I have something to tell you. And she put her hand up to my mouth and she says, stop. Ever since you got back, I've been praying to God. I don't want to, to trump God's will. And I have been praying to him. And three months ago, which was exactly when I had that voice in the chapel, she said, I heard voice of God clearly. You are to be a priest. And I saw her face, and all of a sudden I felt the most incredible ton of bricks lifted from my shoulders, completely lifted, and a freedom like I've never felt. I stood there with her in her living room and hugged her for half an hour. It's the last time I've seen her. But I know God takes care of her. God bless her. Because she gave me to the priesthood and let me go. And I knew then that I could put my hands to the plow. I knew then, and I've never looked back. I've never looked back because now I know exactly what God's will is in my life. So what are the two messages in this homily? One, <laughs> I can say, don't do what I did. Two, don't look back. Put your eyes forward. Let God guide you. And you will be so freedom. Do not fall into the trap of the man in the gospel. Don't fall into my trap, even though God intervened because he knew he had to help me. But he also gave peace to her heart. She was joyful. She was pleased. She was smiling because she knew she was doing God's will. That was the greatest gift anybody's ever done for me. And that was the day that changed my life. So I share that because when I hear this gospel passage, this is the story that always comes to my heart. So thank you to all of you for letting me be a priest, for allowing me in the church to spread the word of God. And thank you for God, to God, for giving me that experience because he knew that in my stubbornness, I had not come the right way, but yet he gave me a chance to see his way. Praise be to God, now 
and forever. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.